1: Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. And I have the privilege of introducing somebody that I actually taught back in New York some years ago, in which we're going to talk about some of his experiences as he grew up, as well as the fact that he's now a dad. Some of our favorite episodes that people like to listen to of the Puberty Prof Podcast are the ones in which people talk about their past experiences. So this one is going to focus on one person's experience. Kevin, would you like to say hi to our audience and introduce a little bit about who you are?
2: Good morning, everyone. I am a nine-year veteran of the police force in New York. I was a teacher for two years before I hopped on the force. I am a husband and also a father to two and one on the way in May.
1: And we met when I was teaching an undergraduate class, correct?
2: Yep. Yep. I've had a class of yours in my junior year and one of my favorite classes, hands down.
1: Thank you for saying that. I remember you as if it was yesterday. I just remember the light that I saw on you. So thank you for being here today, Kevin. And I'm going to jump right into the question of what memories do you have about puberty and growing up?
2: Oh, boy. What? What an experience puberty was. Um, yeah, I remember the the very quick transition. I was I was one of the late bloomers of puberty. I remember, you know, fifth grade, the summer going into sixth grade, we had the puberty discussion, you know, through the district, and watching a a PowerPoint in which you know some Johnny or whoever went under the bleachers, and I don't remember what happened, but it it wasn't a lasting memory and I was confused because I was still young. And then I remember my dad took me to it and he, he told me I had to ask him three questions, you know, about sex or puberty. And I just looked at him confused because I had no idea what either of those words meant and just being stuck there and like pleading with my dad, can we please go home? Cause I don't know why I'm here. You know, um, that was probably one of my first experiences with it. But then, uh, going through middle school i was a young naive little 6th grader running around with not a care in the world i didn't care what i looked like the attire you know just want to have a good time and then somewhere towards the end of 6th grade got an overwhelming feeling of i need to appeal to my colleagues and just not knowing where it was coming from that i had to start acting out in class because that's what the cool kids did i had to start styling my hair because i all of a sudden cared about what my hair looked like it just uh it it was not a fun experience you know when it first hit And you know, that wasn't even the the bodily changes that was just all the the peer pressure you had that you know everybody else at the time was feeling it too but just remember not not liking that one at all you know, it it was a lot of fun being just very carefree and having that taken away so quickly, you know, without warning, just that was rough.
1: And that's because you were going through middle school. I mean, more responsibilities occur. You're asked to be held more accountable for things. Is that what you're referring to, Kevin?
2: Um, It wasn't even the demands for school. I mean, I was was a great student going through school. It was all about the desire to fit in all of a sudden it was oh, clicks okay. formed of the, the other students and it was trying to fit in with them. And now you get made fun of for wearing sketcher shoes because they, you know, historically had Velcro on them for, for young children. And mine had laces, but you just couldn't wear sketchers. You you know, just the rules all changed very quickly of what, you know, the bullying, you know.
1: Okay. So some of those physical things, what do you remember about the physical things? And remember, you have the right to pass Pass on any question I ask, just like what happened in the classroom many, many years ago when I taught. Mm-hmm.
2: We uh, let's see. I I remember the physical. You know, first was the the acne sets in. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden you go from just nice little baby skin to blemishes everywhere, uncontrollable, and everybody has them. But you know, you just like, you don't know what to do with them. Do you do you pop them? Do you put makeup? You just you don't know what to do. You're covered in them. It's you know. That was that was something. I remember very clearly the smell. Um, mm-hmm. We used to stay for the, the the enrichment programs after class. And my mom would always drive everybody home from there. And one day I'm sitting in a car. I'm asking, like, why does it smell like onions in here? It really stinks. And in front of all my friends, my mom says, well, that's you. You stink. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. So from that point on, you know, made sure I put on the deodorant. Okay. You know, um, that the smell just comes out of nowhere. Um, and then the body hair, you know, you get, you're, you're, a, you're a guy, you get some body hair growing, you know, out of the, everywhere. And you don't know what's socially acceptable. I'm, you know, I remember being self-conscious playing basketball, you know, the, the attire for basketball is the tank top. Mm-hmm. Now you have armpit hair sticking out, you know, it, now you throw the t-shirt on underneath it. Cause you don't want to show your armpit hair and you get the the chest hair—you just you don't know what to do with it. You know, the girls will make fun of you at first, and you know, it just is very, very confusing to figure out what is appropriate.
1: You know, I actually feel for kids these days because it seems like hair for some people, it's like you're supposed to remove everything, and it's like, right. yeah, but the, if your body's growing, you certainly have a choice of what you can do with hair growth. Yet, when I see models, particularly those who are male, And they have no chest hair. It's like, well, that's a natural growth, and I don't want kids to think that they just have to remove that.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely confusing because even you know, when I started shaving my armpits to get rid of it, and I mean, it's it's a losing battle because it will just grow back again. And my dad is asking, why why are you doing that? You know, he had no idea. And it, you know, you shave it and then it hurts, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, but again, you don't know what you're doing. You look at other people that are the cool kids that haven't hit puberty yet. And all of a sudden you're saying, well, they don't have armpit hair. I'm going to be like them to not get picked on. And that's pretty much the whole goal of, you know, your, your, your puberty years is how can I avoid getting picked on?
1: So where did you learn about puberty? Was it life experience? Was it friends? I mean, you said you went to this thing with your dad.
2: Um, yeah, I would say most of it was honestly in, in the schoolyard on the bus to school, people who had older siblings, you know, would you learn the dirty words first, whatever it may be the inappropriate ones. And then you kind of put two and two together when it comes to health class. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say you got your introduction from the older kids and then you had no idea what you were, what you were saying. I remember, uh, funny thing i'm what where i learned the word condom and thought it was like a surfing term it was like oh this is tubular bro so you know remember with my cousins one day i'm with my mom overheard me say oh it's totally condom and she says do you have any idea what you're saying and then you know of course my mom she like till the day she died would never speak any words about any puberty talk any sex talk I mean as far as she was concerned my two kids were conceived you know macular conception like we still (laughs) my wife liked to poke fun at her and stuff and you know but uh no I I didn't learn any any puberty talk at all with my parents you know uh even the shaving with my dad I mean he didn't it wasn't like he sat down and said here you go son I'm gonna teach you how to shave it was trial and error you know, you hurt yourself enough. Pain causes memories. You won't do that again. So, now most most puberty stuff, you just kind of went through it, and then look back and went, "Yep, yeah, boy, I remember those changes." Didn't really enjoy that. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. You didn't really get a warning of what was to come. It was just it just happened.
1: For our listeners out there, puberty is actually those physical changes. When we say that term, they typically refer to the the physical changes that occur with most young people as their bodies develop. They become more adult-like, if I say it like that. And then adolescence is that time period in which we go through puberty as well as social, mental, emotional, spiritual changes. So there's a whole bunch of things that go on. It's not just the the physical, the body changes, in which when I started getting into teaching more at the university level and looking at research. I couldn't understand why parents didn't talk to their kids more. And after I spoke with parents of third, fourth, and fifth graders, I realized it's not necessarily their fault because if they were never taught how to do it, how they don't have the tools because a lot of generations never spoke to their kids. And when you look at the research that exists out there, Parents will admit they need tools. They're not sure how to talk to their kids. Sometimes they're expecting their kids to come to them with questions, but if it's never been modeled, kids can't do that. So we're trying to break through and make sure that there's no more bridges because you're now a parent, Kevin, in which I'm thinking that you're hoping to talk with your kids about these topics. Am I right to assume that?
2: Yeah, I I would absolutely love to. You know, I, I don't want to. Have them just experience puberty and, you know, just kind of sit there and chuckle as it happens and say, well, son, you're the one that stinks. You know, I want to, I want to prep them for it. You know, I want to keep it open. I think that's a big thing as a parent is trying to just keep an open dialogue for letting them approach you with anything, no matter what it is. You know, they, they rob a bank, they knock a girl up, they're going through puberty, anything they go through, please come to me first. Before we talk to anybody else, come talk to me. I'm always open. I think that's yeah. that's a big thing you need to do as a parent. And you know, even if I was never, I never got to see a role model teach me puberty, I still think you know, I'm just being open with it, having been through it, you can at least offer some
1: advice. In which I think current generations they're doing that more because we are seeing more tools. And I'll talk about the Talk Puberty app as well as the book I had written, The Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, in a moment. I'm going to first jump back to ask a question about when you were growing up. Did you have a favorite part of growing up?
2: Oh, I think, I mean, I definitely think the best part about kind of growing up, going through puberty is it's, it almost feels like your body like unlocks new capabilities. You know, you you're kind of a little toddler and you run around and then all of a sudden I can only really speak for the men, but, you all of a sudden get more strength and you get the possibility of, you know, building muscles and, you know, helping. Now you can help around the house actually do things. And uh, you also get this kind of weird confidence that, you know, you, you never really used to have. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. You, you go from not having, you know, any opinions to just kind of listening to all your seniors. And then, you know, for better, or for worse, now you have very strong opinions and it just, it, you know, you, you learn.
1: How about the least favorite part of growing up?
2: <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I'd say kind of not knowing was definitely the, the least favorite part was all the changes going on. Um, you know, that that was definitely the, the worst part about growing up. Um, yeah, um think that and... You no, know, it's kind of a double-edged sword with the responsibilities you you get older and now you have you just gain more responsibilities. At first you don't look forward to it. You know, you you have to take care of your body more than you did when you were younger and now you have to take care of it versus your parents taking care of it and yeah. You know, as you're going even even through school, you know, as you said at your elementary school, your hand is held through everything and now you start going to middle school and high school and you get more responsibility and it's it's tough at first you know, who doesn't want to have all their needs met, taken care of, you know, it's, but it's part of growing up.
1: Well, what advice do you have or recommendations if there's a young person that's listening in?
2: Um, my advice is I know the younger generations look at the, the older ones like us, and we can't relate to them. and We don't understand what they're going through, but, you know, at literally everybody older than you has gone through puberty we we know what you're going through so try to find anybody you know whether it be a parent a guardian i'd say a a sibling or relative someone that's significantly older give them you know at least 20 or so someone who's finished going through puberty not in the trenches with you but find someone who's older than you and talk to them if you have any any questions with what's going on with your body or what's going on with your friend. Just my thing is just find someone that you can find and just someone you can talk to and just reach out to them. You know, it would have been nice. I know from my experience to have someone older that I could have a conversation with and kind of guide me through the whole growing up process. You know, uh, I think everybody just needs some form of a mentor that they can talk to and it will just, get rid of all the doubts and the questions and just help you get a little more confidence of what's to come. We all, we all want to know, you know, when something new is coming our way, we want to know the rules. We want to know what to expect. Nobody likes to be blindsided. So just find someone you can talk to.
1: Going to you being a dad, I first want to ask you because you alluded to this before we started recording for today how has being a dad changed you?
2: Jeez. Um, it, I changed. Honestly, being a dad, I think, changed me more than puberty. It, it really, you know, you, you start out before you're a parent and you're just worried about yourself, me, myself, and I. You know, even if you have a significant other, you know, there's always, it's just me, myself. I have to worry about myself. And, you know, you, you still have, especially being a young male. Everybody thinks they're Superman, the Hulk, you're impenetrable. It's that's once you have a kid on the table, the whole math changes, you know, your risk changes, all your thoughts about everything change. And it's all now about, you know, the person you created and just trying to, you know, provide the best possible life for them. It's just everything I mean I remember when I was you know rookie on the the police force and I don't you know mean to sound kind of cold but you'd hear stories of of babies being affected with different you know crimes and it just doesn't register the same as to when you have your own child you've you've held a brand new you know 2 minute old baby you know just it it doesn't register the same and that that's that's just big to me is my whole world just absolutely changed for the better. Absolutely. For the better. I don't want anyone to, you know, think I doubt it. It just, yeah, it, it, it's incredible what, you know, having a kid can do.
1: And I can imagine from how I saw you, when I met you, you were like 2021. You, to me, you were just a kind person. You had such a, a loving heart like how you just presented your thoughts and your values so i can imagine you're such a positive dad
2: yeah oh yeah i mean i I'll, I'll catch some uh you know some some jabs from either my friends or my father-in-law's a jokester and you know we'll joke about uh my my older boy is not much of an athlete he's way more you know uh, analytical and we'll just joke about how I'm going to get bullied for my kid, not playing baseball or soccer. And I, I, I always, before I, you know, my kids came out of the womb. I always just said, I just want happy, healthy and all the body parts. That's all I care about. You know,
3: mm-hmm. I don't
2: care. If they're talented, smart, athletic. I don't care about any of that stuff. Just happy, healthy, older body parts. That's all I ask for. You know, yeah, we can work with that. That's, that's great. And you know what I, whatever the kids are into, you know, one day they want to watch uh my little pony and uh, go ahead, and watch my little pony. One day you want to watch Ball Patrol, let's do it. You know, whatever, mm. whatever they're into, I, I don't care. I just want my kids happy, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> As a parent, have you started being asked questions about bodies and anything about sexuality by your children?
2: My so I have a 4-year-old and a 2-year-old. The 4-year-old um he is he is way too smart for his own good. I mean, he the other day he asks, you know, what what happens when we die? Where do we go? And he starts mm-hmm. tearing up because he understands, you know, once you pass, you're not here anymore. And he says he's going to miss us. And for a 4-year-old to kind of grasp that concept is just, you know, unbelievable. Um he's started he's, he's asked about, you know, body parts. He'll, and I, you and I are, you know, we had a conversation about using the appropriate terms. And of course me, you know, once a boy, always a boy, I still enjoy all the funny slang words for, you know, boys appendages. So we'll throw them all out there. My boy knows them all. And, um, he'll ask, you know, mom, mama, where's your fill in the blank, you know? And Mm -hmm. my wife is very good about using the correct words. And, uh, well, you know, ladies have this and boys have this and, you know, it's, um, so he'll ask about the differences. He'll, he'll ask, you know, um, uh, you know, why, why does it tickle when I touch it? And, you know, like little things like that, or when we have bath time, you know, we obviously help them clean themselves and he just knows that's time that he's just going to giggle uncontrollably. And, you know, um, that's probably the extent of where he's at right now. You know, he knows he knows that boys and girls, you know, have different body parts. And, you know, he knows private parts are private, you know, because he likes to as all as boys do. He likes to whip them out in public. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, son. Oh, that's for private time. You know, doctors and parents. That's it.
1: And is there like naked time? Either of your children love running around after the bath The excuse me, after the bath. Having naked time. I know they, some kids love that.
2: <laughs> that was kind of the learning curve for my wife. You know, they, uh, they, they both, they, they don't necessarily care to run around naked, but, um, you know, the underwear, the, the diaper, like they, I mean, I'm, I'm one to walk around without a shirt during the summer and whatnot. And they just, they want to copy daddy. So they'll run around in their oh. diaper and their undies. And my wife's just cracking up because we'll start wrestling and it'll be all three of us, you know, half naked men wrestling and she's cracking up. So, yeah.
1: Because there is something that you know, children they they understand it's their body, and sometimes to run around. Like I've heard from so many parents that yeah, my child will not want to put on clothing after a bath or something like that because they feel it's them. They love the freedom and all that kind of stuff. And certainly, when we're out in public, we do cover up body parts. But every every culture looks at things a little differently too. I need to ask, and I think we texted a little bit about this beforehand, Mm -hmm. if your children ask you about how babies are created because your, your partner is currently pregnant. Your wife is pregnant. How do you think you're going to explain it?
2: Um, I was hoping to defer to an expert <laughs> like yourself and get some information. I know my wife is, you know, she, she asked me the other day, do we just tell him the truth? And like, I, I don't know what that means to tell a four-year-old the truth. Um, I, I don't know how graphic you go. This is where I have a, a block in my brain that I just don't know the appropriate thing to say to a four-year-old. Um, so, you know, having an expert on the line, I'd phone a friend and, you know, get some advice. What uh, you know, what what terminology would you use, and you know, how graphic do you go? I I don't I don't know. Yeah.
1: Well, certainly, there's a lot of people that. It depends upon who you talk with. There are some people that are like, oh, you should tell them everything. And other people are like, no, you tell them the minimal. What typically as an educator, what we do is we we see how the guy, the child guides the conversation, like how much they're understanding and what truly is age appropriate. So for a younger child, like a four-year-old to say, because you have a mom and a dad to say that there's a part of dad and there's a part of mom that actually combine, and that's the egg and the sperm. And for a lot of children, that could be enough, like, okay. And they might say, but how does that happen? And certainly for when a couple is together, and again, this is heterosexual, it's, well, sometimes mom and dad has private time, just like when you have private time, but there, and we kiss and there's a way, and you have a religious base that you can say, there's a way that the higher power created that my, my seed would go to the egg. So whatever you feel comfortable with, and if it the child goes further and to say, well, the penis and the vagina, the vulva actually meet. And this is something when people are older and you can throw in your values there. I'm a value ridden person to say when you love someone, this may happen to you in the future, yet not when you're a child because you're still a child. And because of when somebody has a child, you have to be at a level of responsibility and maturity, which side note, that's why there's laws about the ages that you can provide consent. There are a lot of children that are very content by saying that there is a part from that dad and mom meet. And again, if you want to have a spiritual base, but as they grow up to say a little bit more, definitely when before they get to puberty, to say, okay, this is more advanced because it's science, mm-hmm. and I know that there's a health educator out there that believes that children need to know the science right away. She's written a book about it, and that's really great if the family feels comfortable with that. So, how's that for? Is that making sense?
2: No, actually, really, I, I really like that um, that part about you know, there's a, a part of daddy and a part of mommy that you know come together and. You know, the private I, I like all that and you can segue to you know that's how you were created you know, you're a part of mommy and a part of daddy and I, you know i really like that um i just envision my four-year-old you know asking just you want to bring up the the sperm and the egg and well, you know where's the sperm and you know i i can see him he's he will ask questions like that mm. and i just I mean, the way this conversation sounds like it's going, it's all manageable. I wouldn't feel, you know, strange talking to him with that. My one thing would be, kind of wondering if he would bring those words then to school or to other kids. And yeah, is like, is that something that you're finding, you know, would happen with them?
1: Do you know that is another barrier that parents will say that stops them from talking to their children because they don't know what their child is going to say. Mm -hmm. And you can say, you know, this is a conversation we have at home. So I really prefer that when we have private conversations, because there's something to me, these are my values. I think that we've lost this whole sense of privacy. Mm -hmm. So many people post things online. They go on to even a podcast and they say so much of their personal life that whatever happened to privacy If I'm doing something with my significant other, my partner, that's between us. That's Mm -hmm. private. It's nobody else's business. And that's a respectful thing that I do with him. So I believe in having a household of the certain things that we talk about at home. And we don't need to share it with others. If someone's getting hurt, that's another issue. But to have the, it's like a a classroom norm or expectation that certain conversations stay at home. However, being kids, they might say, yeah, this is what my dad said yeah, but it's also the truth. This is how we are created. So if you can let go of, in case your your son does tell another child, well, it is, he asked the question and I told him there is a part that he had gotten from me and a part from my wife. That's the truth. If people get angry, again, these are barriers that have been in our society for so long that it's a simple, this is a science thing of how we're created. And it's really a really beautiful thing in my eyes that the two of you have these beautiful children and there's a reason behind it. I remember when I was teaching, I was talking to parents and other caregivers before I spoke with fifth graders about puberty. And they asked me the question, what are you going to say if a child asks about how a baby is created. And I'll say, well, you you need a sperm and you need an egg. And the sperm comes from biological male and the egg comes from a biological female. Some parents felt that by the fifth grade, their child would not hear the word sex, which in today's times, they will hear the word sex. Mm -hmm. So I had said, well, sex is one way that that can occur. Certain types of sex, it can. I'm trying to be developmentally appropriate for the majority of children. And by fourth, fifth grade, that they know that their bodies are going through these changes to perhaps one day if they choose to have a child. That's one of the things that happened during puberty. You know, the eggs are beginning to get released for most girls. And then for most boys, sperm is able to be mature. Sperm is able to be created and released. Mm hmm. So these earlier conversations are really about prepping them for that because this is a natural thing.
2: Yeah. And I definitely think, you know, that that would if the the teenagers out there listening, I I definitely think that's like you just said, you are you are fully capable, you know, you're you're going through puberty, you know, you you are fully capable of creating a human. So just Mm -hmm. be mindful. You're gonna play adult games, you're gonna get adult prizes. So just be uh, be aware.
1: And it is to me when we talk about that act of being sexually active to talk realistically with young people, because the imagery that they see on TV, it's, I'm an adult. I understand what's going on, but at the same time, I know they're not being shown a lot of the truth. They're not in the health education classes that I teach particularly for future health teachers, I have them analyze messages in a very popular TV show. And we'll talk about how some messages show two people meeting and then they don't even go through these bases per se. They meet and then they end up engaging in sexual activity. And Mm -hmm. that's not all adults. That's not everybody out there. So that the conversation can start at home to say, okay, this is. It happens with some people. If you choose to do that, you need to know the pros and cons. Yet realize most people don't do that in that way, or uh, you know, to talk honestly about it. Does that make sense?
2: No, I I I absolutely agree with you. As far like all of the adult content out there, you know that is pure for entertainment only. That is not nat geo that is not learning that is all for entertainment and do not think that those expectations on the adult content whether it be for the men or for the women that is not real life you know there are people out there that will enjoy that but those are the exception not the rule you know you you have to speak with your partner and be open and honest with your partner and don't watch some adult film don't watch tv and assume that is what the majority wants you know i think a lot of especially young boys you know will go into watching adult content and think that that is what they are expected to do and what their partners will like and that is not the truth at all so yeah my advice would be to kind of stay away from that and just speak with your partner just keep it open and honest and it will be way more successful
1: and, and I think it's really important for young people to see what the components of healthy relationships are, because it's not always shown out there in the media through a television show or a movie, in which some people then think what they see is healthy. And it's like, you know, what a healthy relationship is, is that you have compromise. You have to communicate. Talking is a verb. You'll Absolutely. have conflicts.
2: Yes. Yes. You are not. You're not with a clone of you. Even if you have a twin, it's not your clone. So that person will not line up with you hundred percent on everything. As much as you think you get along, you will have your your disagreements and that's healthy.
1: Yeah. Yep. Conflict actually can help grow a stronger base. And I think it's something really special too, when you meet somebody who is a partner that you're coming to the table and you can be truly who you are
2: yes absolutely yes and i tell you i i mean my wife i love her dearly i really i credit her with you know the person i am today i do you know we as we said earlier we are not the same 100 percent, but she just you know makes me push to become a better person each day and it's not even through her trying to do it you know i just want to i want to be there and just be a better husband be a better father you know it, it i do i credit her with all of it.
1: Yeah. I look forward to meeting her face to face. I know of her, but I've never met her in person.
2: Yes. We still have a, we still have a nice Italian meal ready for you when we do meet again. Uh,
1: excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I love Italian food.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what advice do you have for other parents out there, Kevin?
2: I, as i said earlier i really think just being open just creating an open dialogue as as someone that grew up with zero dialogue into my 30s of anything about your body changes anything about puberty the sex talk you know i i just would want to do the complete opposite for my kids i want to be as open as possible and uh, it doesn't matter like i said earlier what their issue is i want them to know they can always come to me even if it's something as similar s- simple as a, a body change that's going on just feel free to come to me you know i i have two boys you know i'm a male also just i can tell you what you're going through i can tell you what's happening next just kind of give you a, a little cheat sheet on what to expect and i you know just ride the wave you you can't fight i know puberty blockers out there, but it's not for the, the majority, right? You just ride the wave, you know, puberty's gonna happen. You'll get through it. We've all been through it. You know, enjoy it for what it is. You know, you're like I said, you're gonna unlock all these new features for your body, you know, that you didn't know you had. And it's it's a little scary at first, but as you finish the ride and you end puberty, it's it's exciting, you know?
1: Yeah. And those of you that are listening, if you're interested in knowing what kind of tools are out there for parents and other caregivers of younger children, check out my website, pubertyprof.com. I actually have links to other people's websites that have, they have this exorbitant, List of resources on a variety of topics. So I have some, yet I'm like, you know what? These people have that. I'm going to put my focus more into the podcast and other tools. And their focus is on providing all those resources out there, that list. So please check out my website to get to theirs. Also, those of you that are recognizing that having young children, it's a great time to start talking about consent. There are some phenomenal books. That, that have been written as well as I like the consent for kids video from blue seat studios. I don't know, Kevin, if you've ever seen that it, it has a child's voice. It's less than three minutes. It's available for free. And it talks about how if they don't want to hug their aunt that they don't have to, it's okay.
2: No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't heard of this. It that's, purely for you know hugging or any kind of bodily touch that's what it's focused on what does it uh i don't mean to take away from you know the literature at all or but what what uh what does it say as far as you know immediate family i know you said aunts but as far as like grandparents of theirs and
1: basically it it provides us to have a conversation with young people to say if somebody if you are being asked to do something and you're like, no, I don't want to right now, that it's okay. Not getting away from chores, not that, but it's more about touching, more about having to. And part of it is the theory behind it is we can start empowering young people to say, no, I don't feel comfortable with this, that when they reach their preteens and teen years and then into adulthood, when they feel they're in a situation where they're being pressured to do something more sexual, that they have the strength within them to go. No, I don't feel comfortable with that. And then if we allow it to happen from an early age, they're going to feel more comfortable when they're in more sexual situations.
2: That makes sense. Um, do they find any kind of like splitting the baby on this one? Where because my wife and I, the way we do it is grandparents and our siblings. You know, their aunts and uncles. Um, you know, those are we're not having a discussion about this. This is, you're going to hug them and say goodbye. Um, anyone outside of them, you know, my aunts and uncles, my cousins, my wives, we don't make them at all. If they don't want to, we don't make them. You know, is there kind of a, and we just, we just find it somewhat respectful for them to go and go and hug grandpa and say goodbye. You know, I'm not forcing them, you know, kisses mouth to mouth and just Mm -hmm. give grandpa a hug. Goodbye. You know, um, that's kind of been how we've been doing it. Um, right. have, have they found anything with that?
1: There's educators that recommend that if you can give another option, like if they don't want to hug, if they want to, if they want to give a high five or a wave and here's the reality. And I don't want to scare anybody out there, but what we know when people touch children inappropriately, there's certain grooming techniques that occur. And as you, probably know that sometimes a predator can be someone that we know.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it's not that strange or danger. That's a, only a small percentage of people that are inappropriate with children. Most people we know in some way. And what we find is that people groom children and it's subtle ways they do that. So for example, if there's a particular individual fam- I'll say a family friend and they touch the child, like just even as gentle as a on their leg in front of the parent, and the parent doesn't say anything, the child is getting the message that, okay, that kind of touch is okay because they're doing it in front of my parent. And it's this gradual thing of that's how some of these people groom kids, that they're allowing this person to make certain contact and my parents seem okay with it. Does that make sense?
2: No, it absolutely makes sense yeah yeah
1: and it's scary. I actually had the pleasure of speaking with Kelly Palfrey. She was basically being trained to be the Canadian form of the FBI mm-hmm. to, to be in that and she she was doing some kind of work where her work was focusing more on girls and how the girls were being inappropriately sexually assaulted or sexually molested. And at work, she was told, don't worry about the boys right now. And something triggered her to go, wait a minute, this is happening with boys, too. And she wrote a book. It's called Men Too, like on the Me Too movement. But Mm -hmm. she has the N in there. And she talks about these very subtle grooming techniques that occur. Like, I don't know if you know of all the gaming that some young people do. There's certain gaming, online gaming, like Discord that goes to more males. Mm-hmm. And that is also an avenue for people to find kids and be inappropriate with them. Mm-hmm. So part of this consent for kids is allowing them to say, you know, for some reason I don't want to do this. I don't like right now, I don't feel comfortable doing this, being able to note their feeling, express it to us, and feel safe. And when we deal with people, again, that are potentially hurtful, sexually molesting children, we are trying to empower kids to say, yeah, I don't like when this happens in this situation. Mm -hmm. So I hear what you're saying, you know, like with family members, we're trying to do things because I've heard other parents say, well, I want my child to hug grandma. Yet if they're feeling uncomfortable and it might be just for that day, it's giving more ownership of Sometimes I don't want to, because sometimes like I know I had certain relatives that sometimes pinched my butt and I didn't think that was right. It was very awkward mm-hmm. yet. I don't even know if my family members saw it because it was more like behind, but it was like they're doing it in the same room as my family members. So until this day, like I don't want people to touch my butt. You know, I was like, no, that was that was awkward. But again, it's about empowering empowering young people to express, I don't feel comfortable with that right now.
2: Yeah, definitely. It definitely makes sense. It's, you know, it's hard. It's kind of breaking the old norm because it's rough. You know, you're, I know my four-year-old there's, there's no grooming going on with either of our parents, but I know my four-year-old just to be stubborn and play games when we're leaving, often sometimes just, no, I don't want to hug and then wants to like run away and he's laughing as he's doing it. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it hurts both of our parents' feelings. They want that goodbye hug. You know, they don't get it. And it's that that hard because I understand what you're saying. It definitely, if I would want to empower him for God forbid, anybody had touched him inappropriately to not, you know, doubt him at all, be strong in his conviction, say, I know I don't like this touch. I'm allowed to say when I don't want it. I I would want him to do that. No, it's just definitely hard in the trenches with being a parent and, you know, looking at either my, my dad or my in-laws and say, really, I'm not going to get a hug from my grandkid. You know, it's, it's hard.
1: And I, I can imagine that. And I'm not sure if like, say, if your child was allowed to draw a hug ahead of time and then it to them or something like that it's to say, I don't want to physically do that right now, but I drew a hug because I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, I also know what we're we're attempting to do of giving that. No, I don't want to do that right now. It's interesting. I started watching the morning show on Apple TV and what they're demonstrating of some actions that occurred between some of the characters, it does get very subtle. And it's like you, there's one character that. She was in a hotel room with someone, and he started saying things to her, and she felt powerless, like she didn't have a voice. And I think it's really interesting that they're portraying that because that's how subtle it can happen. It's yeah. like I'm not supposed to say no. We're all doing the best that we can. We certainly are.
2: Yeah. Do you find, or like in your reading, do you find, you know, with this, this the saying goodbye example we're using, you know, the the child initially gives you the knee jerk. I don't want to do that. You know, I I don't, I don't get angry with him over something like that, but do you find that at least sitting down and, you know, well, listen, you know, when we leave, we usually give grandpa a hug. You know, you're going to hurt his feelings if you don't do that. Is it, is that kind of feeding the beast of taking away their, you know, their empowerment or what do you guys find with that usually?
1: If you're able, I would sit down and go, tell me why why is it that you're, you're not wanting to do this? Mm -hmm. And there might be a really good reason why that you didn't even think of. Mm -hmm. So allowing the child to have a voice, that's what I would do because it's this, it's going back to how we were raised of be a good kid. You do this. Mm
3: -hmm. Um,
1: But then, you know, why is, Oh, you're playing a game. Okay. Because the other thing is, it's kind of like sometimes We do, we make decisions because we don't want to hurt other people's feelings. And that's not necessarily the best reason for why not to do something. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, I so appreciate your time today. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish today's recording?
2: Um, like, Like I was saying earlier, for the young people out there, please, please find someone that you trust you know, that's older than you. If you have any questions, don't leave it to the older brother. Don't leave it to the person who's a grade older than you. You know, go find a teacher, a parent, you know, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent. Find someone who's older. If you have any questions, please just find someone you can talk to, you know, they'll help you get through puberty. And nothing in grade school, in puberty is permanent. You will get through all of your squeaky voices, your acne, all the body changes, you'll get through all of it and things will be better. We've all been through it. It's a rough ride, but just tough it out. Ask all the questions you can look for all the answers. And once you're an adult, you get this whole new confidence about you.
1: Thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your experiences both as somebody that's gone through puberty and adolescence and also as a dad. So thank you. And those of you that are interested in having a tool, check out the Talk Puberty app. It's it's an app that you download and it helps you. If you want to talk with your kids about puberty, it helps you have the conversation. It helps lead the conversation. So if you're like hoping that your child comes to you, but they're not, it's like, well, introduce them to this app, and there'll be a section about basic changes for most kids, and then basic changes for most girls, basic changes for most boys. There's open-ended questions in one section, and it'll help guide the conversation. It'll help your child also ask additional questions, and if they do and you don't know an answer, go to one of those reliable resources. It's okay to say, I don't know. So thank you again, Kevin, for being here, and thank you to our listeners for listening in. I hope you stay well and I hope you have a happy and
0: healthy day. Thank you for listening to the puberty prof podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like share and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the puberty prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.